In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. I like to wish you all a very blessed and happy St. Luke Feast. Tomorrow, the Church celebrates the Feast of uh, St. Luke. And uh, me personally, I don't know many churches in the name of St. Luke. Actually, I don't know other church except this one. So it's a blessing to have a church named after St. Luke, this great evangelist who wrote two books in the scripture, the Gospel of St. Luke and also the book of Acts. And he informed us about many things like the other evangelists did not mention, like the details of the birth of John the Baptist and the details of the Annunciation of our Lord Jesus Christ, Annunciation to St. Mary about the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ, also the details about uh, his circumcision and presentation to the temple, and when he was at age of 12 and attended, went to the temple and was speaking with the teachers in the temple, also the details of how the church started. The only record that we have is the book of Acts. So it is actually a great blessing to have a church named after St. Luke. May his prayer and intercession be with all of us. And actually our Bible study these days from the Gospel of St. Luke so it's again another blessing that we'll do another our Bible study tonight from the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 14, starting from verse 25. Now great multitudes went with him, and he turned and said to them. So as our Lord Jesus Christ continued his journey, toward Jerusalem, many went with him. He turned and said to them, actually, he has to say a very important instruction to the followers. Because these multitudes that followed him were made of some of true followers and some of the enemies and some people just following out of curiosity. So as we say, the church is exclusive. What do I mean by exclusive? Any leader will be happy when he finds many people following him and in his mind how to keep them not how to lose them and some leaders may compromise some principles in order to keep the followers but here when actually the Lord saw great multitudes went with him he turned and said to them the requirements of discipleship. 
as if he is telling them, if you want to be true follower and true disciple of me, you need to examine yourself well to see, are you going to be a true disciple and a true follower? If not, otherwise you may consider leaving me. This concept actually is not clear in our mind. Some people ask the church, I mean the clergy of the church, to compromise the truth, to compromise principles, to compromise doctrines just for the sake of keeping the people. And they will come with this argument, Abuna, we will lose them. But here the Lord made it very clear either to follow these requirements or you are not a true disciple of me. So what are the requirements? The Lord about the discipleship, he made actually three requirements. The first one in verse 26, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. So he wanted clearly to make it known to all the followers what serving him really signified. To be a disciple of Jesus, this requires entire self-denial and real taking up of the cross and following the Lord Jesus Christ. Before this event in the same chapter, the Lord spoke to them about the parable of the Great Supper in which the king sent invitation to many people. Some of them declined the invitation because just they were busy. So here the Lord, when he said, if anyone comes to me, so not only hearing his preach, not only accepting the invitation, but to come and follow the Lord as a true believer with a sincere desire to be a disciple of him. Disciple means to be disciplined by his teaching, to be disciplined by his example. So the Lord was careful to add that to be a follower is not just, just simply accepting an invitation, but coming will, willingly and joyfully with true self-denial and with willingness to carry your cross and to follow him. The word hate here in verse 26, uh, if anyone comes to me and does not hate, it troubles some people. How the Lord who is love actually use the word hate. So the Lord doesn't mean hate, meaning hatred, the opposite of love. 
but he is using this exaggeration to stress total commitment required of his followers who take up the path of discipleship. And to show the great difference between our commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ and our loyalty to anyone else in our life and everything else also in our life. So the word hate means complete detachment of the old life and this may compromise our commitment to our families in order to be committed to the Lord Jesus Christ and he has the first priority in our life. Maybe if I give you, I give you example from the church history, this will be clear. We have the example of Saint Demiana. Any child cries the loss of his parents. So Saint Demiana, when she heard that her father denied the Lord Jesus Christ in order to save his life, earthly life, she was not happy with this decision because her love to Christ and her commitment to Christ was above and beyond her commitment to keep the earthly life of her father. That's why she told him, I would have wished to hear that you died for the name of Christ rather than denying Christ and saving your earthly life. And because of this message, her father Mark went to the emperor and confessed his faith and became a martyr for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is an example of what the Lord meant. If you come to me and you don't hate your father, mother, brother, sisters, children, even your own self, you cannot be my disciple. So when you follow the Lord Jesus Christ, you need to come to him without any reservation, without any reservation. And yes, our relationship here should be of lower priority than our obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ and our commitment to him. That's why one like Peter said to the Lord, we left all and we followed you. We left all, we left everything. They left their parents, their spouses, their children, and followed the Lord. Another example in our contemporary time, the 21 martyrs, most of them were young in their age and have little children, but their commitment to Christ was above and beyond their love to their spouses and to their children.
they could have thought that I deny Christ, then I can repent and God will forgive me. But no, they actually compromised their life and shed their blood for the name of Christ. And this actually was more than their love to their families. Also the families, when they heard that they died for Christ, they were proud of them. And I remember some families said, if they came alive, but denying Christ would not have accepted them. That's actually the meaning of this verse. If anyone comes to me and not hating his father or mother. So hate doesn't mean the opposite of love, but your commitment to our Lord Jesus Christ and your discipleship is above and beyond any other relationship. And here I wonder, some youth compromise their faith just for the sake of marriage. Uh, they decide to marry from outside the church and uh, uh, some people who are not even Christian and uh, uh, they compromise this, th their commitment to Christ just for the sake of earthly love. So no home love, no earthly affection must ever come into competition with our love for God. This teaching also recalls his warning concerning the division he is bringing to families. The Lord said, I did not come to bring peace, but sword. And also, I came to turn parents against children, children against parents, siblings against each other. What did he mean by this? When in the same family, some people reject the Lord Jesus Christ, and others will follow him or accept him. So we can see in this family there is a division among the members of the family. And the people who decided to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, they accepted persecution. So this sword that the Lord spoke about, it is sword against the Christian, against those who follow the Lord Jesus Christ. So this teaching, anyone comes to me and does not hate his father mother, is similar to the teaching that how in the same family some members reject Christ and others accept him, there has, a division might happen among the members of the same family. The second requirement in verse 27, and whoever does not bear his cross, his cross, and come after me, cannot be my disciple. So, he is telling us that we need, if we decide to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, we need to carry our cross. Many people assume that if you are a follower of Christ, your life 
will be void of tribulations and hardships. This is not true. Actually, one of the requirements is to be willing to carry your cross and follow the Lord Jesus Christ. The hearers at that time, they did not need an explanation. What do you mean by the cross? Because they knew that the cross is an instrument of torture, death, humiliation. If someone took up his cross, he will never come back. He will die. It is one-way journey. So this means when we follow the Lord Jesus Christ, we will be hated because we are not of this world. We will be persecuted. We will go through the narrow gate. We will walk in the difficult path. But all this, when we compare it with the eternal glory, it is nothing. That's why Christian carried their cross joyfully because their eyes were fixed on the glory to come. And the Lord said to carry his cross. He did not say to carry the cross or a cross. He said his cross. So the idea that there is a cross suited to each individual. And one person's experience of the cross may be different to another, to another person's experience of the cross. That's why the Lord said, His cross. So each one of us has a different cross. And my experience of my own cross is different from your experience of your cross. So here the Lord in the second requirement made it clear that only cross bearers can be his disciples. And before going to the third requirement, the Lord start to ask the followers to calculate the costs. Meaning, as I told you, he saw great multitudes followed him. So he was telling them, now you knew two of the requirements. I want you to examine yourself. Are you willing to be a true disciples? Are you willing to totally deny yourself and to put me as priority in your life? Are you willing to carry your cross and follow me? That's why in verse 28, he told them, for which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost, counting the cost, whether he has enough to finish it, lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him. So that's the first example. He gave them another example. To mock him saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. The second example, or what king going 
to make war against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. Or else, while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. So the Lord here gives them two examples of counting the cost and how important to consider the cost of discipleship before making this decision to follow the Lord. The first example is the example of building a tower and second example is the example of a king pursuing war. These two examples require good planning and good decision making. Good planning and good decision making. A tower is a place of defense or observation erected on high places or in vineyards or fields to guard against enemies. And the tower usually is high to enable one to see an enemy when the enemy is approaching. And the tower also should be strong so it could not be easily broken into. So to build a tower, meaning we need to build up our Christian life in the heart and in the mind and how to build it high our spirituality should be high and strong this reminds us with the conclusion of the sermon on the mountain when the Lord said a wise man who built his house on the rock that is the structure of a holy life that is based on the foundation of the teaching of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the Lord told them, now if you choose to be a disciple of mine, consider well before you begin the denials required, your self-denial, and the cross that you are going to carry and you need to be wise building your tower on the foundation of the teaching of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, many of us, we laid the foundation. Laid the foundation means we said we are followers of Jesus. But when it comes to self-denial, we are not willing to do it. When it comes to carrying our cross, we are not willing to do it. That's why some of us laid the foundation, they are baptized, they are members in the church, but not able to finish because they did not plan for the building the tower. 
they did not they are not willing to deny themselves they are not willing to carry their cross but who those who are seeing it and beginning to mock these people it is satan satan will start to make fun of these not serious christians and the demons will say this man began to build and was not able to finish his holiness pop shenouda used to say that the main difference between the saints and us is seriousness they took their spiritual life very serious the second image is the image of warfare and every christian when he commits his life to god he must engage in a warfare warfare against satan warfare against the world warfare against the pleasures of the world lusts of the world the lord in the gospel of matthew chapter 12 verse 29 he said how can one one here referring to the lord jesus christ enter a strong man's house that is the devil and his house heeds and plunder his goods when the lord descended to hades in order to take those who were captives in hades to deliver them unless he first binds a strong man so we are in war with a strong man with with the, the devil and we cannot win this war if we are by ourselves because the devil is stronger than us that's why the lord said that you are going with 10000 but the devil will come to us with 20000 and he called them both kings we are called kings because we are the children of the king of kings satan is also king because he is the prince of this world he, his kingdom is the kingdom of darkness so if i go by myself without complete commitment to god without complete reliance on him without complete self denial without the willingness to carry my cross as if i am going with 10000 and satan will come against me with 20000 and some people when they are not counting the cost well and they are not willing to completely deny themselves and to uh, carry their cross unfortunately they start to make peace with the pleasures of the world with the lusts of the flesh so they live dual life instead of completely committing themselves to their discipleship to the lord they live a dual life as if they are sending delegation and as conditions of peace how this war the spiritual warfare will be 
light. So I will compromise some commandments, I will compromise some teaching in order not to have this severe spiritual warfare. But if I have Christ with me and I'm counting the cost well, I will not be fearful of Satan who comes against me with 20,000. So the Christian person's life is a warfare. He's engaged with many enemies. The corruption of his own heart, the world without, uh, from outside, and Satan, who is to be resisted, as St. James said, resist the devil and he will flee from you. In the book of Hebrews, St. Paul said, you did not resist against sin till bloodshed. So we need to resist till bloodshed against sin. So St. Cyril said, we have many enemies who are being on mocking us, whether they be evil spirits or the law of sin or the physical lust. Unless we accept the cross and we carry our cross and following the Lord Jesus Christ. Then we are carrying the name of Jesus Christ without his life in us. We are Christians by name, not by life. We have the appearance of the cross, but without its power. We may have cross on our chest, we hold it in our hands. So we have the appearance of the cross but not its power. The adversary wrestles against us since he is king and he wants to devour everyone to his kingdom of darkness. So St. Cyril the Great said, what does this mean? Our struggle is not with flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. But through our fellowship with our Lord Jesus Christ, we become by him a protected tower, which the enemy cannot invade into our sanctified inner self. The enemy will not find place of rest inside us, so, the Christian who is taking this spiritual warfare to the end, he's not making any terms of peace with the demon, with Satan. So, building a tower and engaged in spiritual warfare requires good decision-making strategies for success which are the requirement of discipleship so you need actually to forsake everything in your older life as St. Paul said you need to put off the former life and put on Christ you need to forsake anything that's hindering your 
spiritual warfare. This brings us to the third requirement. The third requirement, verse 33. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. What we have is like rope. When we start our journey, this rope pull us down back to earth. Our attachment to the money, our attachment to the world, our attachment to the pleasures of the world, pull us back like a bird want to fly, but tied to the earth, to the ground. So every time the bird want to fly, pulled back. So the Lord told us, you need to forsake anything will hinder your journey. You're hindering entering into the narrow gate. If you enter into the narrow gate, you cannot take many positions with you through the narrow gate. You need to leave everything actually outside and enter in complete denial of what we have or what we possess. We need to separate ourselves from those things or those people who will not help us to uh, advance in faith and spiritual uh, maturity. Like attachment to material positions that encourage reliance on self, not dependence on God. That's why when the Lord sent the disciples, told them don't carry money bags, silver or gold, so that our reliance will be on God, not on money. From the first chapters, or the previous chapter from St. Luke, we understand that many from this great multitude who followed the Lord Jesus Christ were not truly sincere. That's why the Lord gave here very strict uncompromising picture of what the life of a real disciple should be in order to tell the people either to count the cost and to follow me otherwise as he said in John chapter 6 to the 12 do you also want to leave so that's what I meant in the beginning when I said Christianity is exclusive either to follow Christ from all your heart or not. The way of the cross that the Lord was about to tread was no pathway for such light-hearted pretenders, pretenders to be Christian. Then the Lord told him, salt is good, but if the salt has lost its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for the land, nor for the dung hill, but men throw it out. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. In the Sermon on the Mountain, the Lord told us, you are the salt of the earth. So, if we are Christians by names, 
And without actually meeting the requirements of discipleship, self-denial, carrying our cross, and denying our positions, then we become like a salt that lost its flavor. Any Christian who is Christian by name, but without total commitment and dedication to the life and the requirement of discipleship, as salt that lost its flavor. Salt only is useful when it has the nature of salt. So Christian is only useful when he has the nature of Christ by meeting the requirements, by having the requirements of discipleship inside him. But a half-hearted disciple is like a salt that has lost its flavor. Actually, he's useless because he cannot fulfill the purpose for which he was intended. The Lord said, this person is neither fit for the land nor for the dunghill. Dunghill, they used the dung of the animals and the birds, and then they added salt to it, in order to increase its fertilization because the dung is used uh, as fertilizers. So if the salt lost its flavor, cannot even be used for the dunghill because cannot increase uh, its power of fertilization. Which means we lose our power to bring more people to Christ, to witness, to be true witnesses for Christ. Let me explain this also in Arabic, because some people, the word dunghill is confusing them. In our mind, both of them means trash. No. زبالة جاية من كلمة زبل اللي هو الروس بتاع الطيور والبهائم فكانوا بيحط ملح علشان الملح ده يزود الخصوبة بتاعة الروس والزبل بتاع الطيور لأن كان الناس يسألوا ما دي زبالة يعني تراش بس الحقيقة قمامة غير الزبالة بس احنا بنستخدم الاثنين interchangeably so it is neither fit for the land nor for the dunghill. But men threw it out. So has no need. People, they will feel that these Christians, they are useless. Then the Lord concluded by saying, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Meaning, take my teaching seriously. So... He wants this lesson to sink into the hearts of his uh, listeners. So the Lord actually was saying this truth to the listeners. And maybe his heart was sad 
for Israel. He came to his own, but his own rejected him. He was sad for the temple because this temple, the glory of God existed. But previously, he just told them, your house will be left to you desolate. So the Lord is instructing them either to take my words seriously. You have ears to hear. Hear my word and live your life up to these requirements of discipleship. Otherwise, you will be losing your saltiness and you will be useless. This actually concludes chapter 14 from the Gospel of St. Luke. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.